Hello and welcome to PostgreSQL, a weekly show about all things PostgreSQL. I'm Michael, founder of PG Mustard, and this is my co-host Nikolai, founder of Postgres AI. Hey Nikolai, what are we talking about today? Hi Michael, let's talk about partitioning. Absolutely. Table partitioning in Postgres. We've talked about it in a few episodes, but it's great to do an episode completely on this. We've had requests for it and I'm excited to get to it. Where do you want to start? Perhaps with what partitioning is? Of course. So it's about splitting a table into multiple tables. And the beauty of it is that that's transparent at the user or client level. Yes, exactly. Because we can we can split ourselves. We can say like we have table name, we can do table name one, table name two, but it will be not interesting to rewrite our application and partitioning does the same, but behind the scene, right? Yeah, exactly. With lots of nice cool features to come and an, an ever improving list of features to go with that. Did you look into the history of it at all? And I mean, obviously you, well, I, you've lived the history of it. I lived, yeah. yeah, I lived through the history. I remember I was using inheritance-based partitioning and um, helped clients implement it. And this actually was my first real job in terms of podcast consulting in Silicon Valley, one startup which moved from, actually I helped them move from Heroku to RDS. And also they had issues with large tables and obviously, I, I said, like, let's partition it. And it, it was before Postgres 10, which implemented declarative partitioning so quite long ago. And we did it with inheritance. A lot of PLPGSQL code was written. And at that time, actually, the interesting part is this exactly the task when I realized that RDS regular clones is very good to, for testing. So I had many, many cycles of testing to have fully automated procedure, move old rows from non-partition table to partition table in, in batches, uh, to have view on top of it, to provide full transparency for application. Everything is possible, but it took a lot of effort because in, inheritance-based partitioning, maybe it's, it provides you more flexibility in some places, but it lacks automation. Like mm-hmm. you need to write a lot of code. And of course, if you have clones, it's good. You can test it, but still it's a lot of work. And by that time already, I think PG Partman existed. I'm not sure RDS has it, but somehow I, I decided not. Yeah. Anyway, around 2015, as we also discussed a couple of times, a lot of former Oracle users or current Oracle users came to Postgres community and ecosystem, and they obviously raised the question, we cannot leave without declarative partitioning anymore. It's not good. Let's do it. And declarative partitioning was implemented. I think it was in Postgres 10, right? First version appeared. But then in each version, a lot of new features related to partitioning were added. It means that if you own quite old Postgres and you are considering partitioning or to use it more often, obviously first thing I would do to consider a major upgrade to the latest version possible because it would provide much more features, benefits in in this area. Yeah. In fact, you mentioned it right at the beginning of that, but I think it's worth going back to the the benefit here is that large tables can get difficult to manage. So there's there's certain things that become very... Sorry for interrupting. I just realized since you asked about history, the inheritance-based partitioning existed for long uh, and inheritance is a good concept. It's from the era when like object relational database concept was popular, late 90s, early 2000. But declarative partitioning is much easier to use. 
And now, of course, I, I would not use inheritance-based partitioning at all, expect very some rare cases. But let's talk about why do we need it at all, or do you think? Yeah, so, I mean, I bump into different reasons that people want to do this, but the main one I see is maintenance. So easier and more parallelizable maintenance ability to... So that includes things like indexing, re-indexing, vacuum, analyze, probably a bunch of things I'm forgetting there. But in addition to that, if you have data that needs to be deleted, so old data or a certain client, like if you you might want to You're partition pruning. based on how you want to... Yes. So partition the we have the ability with partitions to drop to detach the partition and drop the entire table and not have to not have to worry about the the deletes and the the impact of all of those so there's or just truncate a particular partition and that's yeah. it because truncate is much faster than delete and then vacuuming because delete doesn't physically remove anything it just marks tuples as deleted and then it's it's heavy operation if you have millions millions of rows yeah, exactly. So did, I think you still detach first, right, before truncating? But I'm, uh, Well, nobody prevents you from truncating a particular partition. Why not? It's a good overview, but I would like to emphasize that most people think, many people, not most, I, I don't have statistics in hands, but, but usually people, from my perspective, they think partitioning is needed for query performance. It's so, but not so. Like, there are direct and indirect benefits for query performance if you use partitioning. Direct benefits is, of course, uh, indexes are smaller and faster. Good, but we all know that B3 height grows very slowly. So you need to have, like, jumping from 1 million rows to 1 billion rows, it's not, it's just a few hops in terms of index tree traversal. But indirect benefits are much more interesting. And let's talk about them. You mentioned manageability, maintenance of partitions. Exactly. Like if you need to vacuum a very large table, it will take hours, sometimes half a day, sometimes like almost like a day. I saw very, depends on, on your system, on your power of your disks and so on, but it can take quite a long. But it cannot be parallelized in terms of heap and toss table vacuuming, right? So it's single threaded process and you cannot speed it up, even if you adjust the cost limit and cost delay for auto-vacuum workers. So they go full speed. You don't care about negative effects. It's still slow because it's single-threaded. If you have partition table, if you have, for example, 10 partitions, 100 partitions, you can benefit from many, many workers to, to do much more work faster, right? Then it's question about your disk, your limits, saturation risks, and so on. But you have flexibility, you can tune it already. So uh, for indexes, it's better. But as I remember, uh, AutoVacuum also for one table, it processes all indexes using a single worker. Only manual vacuum can process multiple indexes. In modern Postgres newer versions, it can be parallelized. Right? So partitioning is much better for vacuuming. It's straightforward because of parallelization. And I see due to defaults, uh, we have only three workers by default, usually. And it's so sad to see three workers on systems with 96 cores. I do it all the time. Somehow people think AutoVacuum is good. If you have so, so big systems, so many vCPUs or cores, 
consider adjusting number of workers earlier because it requires restart, right? Especially if you're thinking about partitioning. If these things come together, if you are planning to use partitioning, you definitely need to reconsider your auto-vacuum tuning settings and have more workers. I usually recommend up to 30% of vCPUs to set number of workers, max number of workers for auto-vacuum. And also like increasing other, other things. So this is number one thing, but close to it also, you mentioned index maintenance. Again, building an index on a very large table might take an hour or more. Sometimes hours, like eight hours. I saw it also. It's not fun at all. Especially it's not fun, unlike regular vacuum, index build or indexing concurrently or not concurrently, doesn't matter. It holds X-min horizon. Yeah, we, we discussed it a couple of times. There was an attempt to fix it in, in, in Postgres 14.0. It was reverted in 14.4. All versions between 14.0, 1, 2, 3, are considered dangerous because they can lead to index corruption. So if you're 14 Postgres 14 user, you should be at least at Postgres 14.4. It was very great optimization not to hold XMIN horizon when you build or rebuild index. But unfortunately, it was reverted. I don't know the plans when it will be back. But what does it mean, holding XMIN horizon? It means that while you are building or rebuilding your index, uh, there is XMIN horizon, means that there is some number in terms of transaction ID, see transaction ID, right? Corresponding to the moment when, when you started to build the index. And all tuples which became dead after it cannot be deleted by auto vacuum or regular vacuum because XMIN horizon is in the past. So while you are building index on very large table, Vacuuming is less efficient and it cannot delete many tuples. If you enabled auto-vacuum logging, you can see some dead tuples are found but cannot be deleted. This is exactly because XMIN horizon is in the past for them. And this is a, it's, this is a problem leading to bloat, right? Yep. Higher bloat that we could have. Higher bloat that can lead... You mentioned second-order effects or, or indirect implications. So we have bloat causing oh, slower query performance. performance. But but also vacuum getting behind can lead to things like the visibility map not getting updated. And then that can lead to plans no longer being able to do index only, uh, true index only scans. So that can impact query performance as well. So like there are these other effects as well. So being able to parallelize vacuum and have more workers for doing vacuum on each partition is a, it can be a benefit from that perspective too. Right. So one of the things, if you have partitions uh, and we don't, uh, like, there is uh, some rule some people follow, don't allow tables to grow uh, above 100 gigabytes. If you have 100 gigabytes, well, you need partitioning already. So, yeah, right, if we have smaller uh, tables, our auto-vacuum workers are feeling much better, removing garbage much faster than tables. Garbage collection works more efficiently. And uh, this affects query performance definitely. It's very hard and tricky to measure. Like sometimes people say, well, okay, how bad is that? Well, <laughs> we can take some experiments and, and show degradation of query, some query performance, but it it's very depends on nature of data and workload. But I already feel it's, it would be possible to develop some metric. For example, understanding the exceed growth rates like you're writing transactions, how many per seconds you have, 
seed growth rate is this and you could have like some threshold saying or SLO, SLA, SLO probably. We don't want to allow our X-Min horizon to be this, this number in terms of seed or this number in terms of minutes or seconds behind current uh, value. So we should not allow X-Min horizon to lag that much. From this, you can go to the requirements of how big your partitions could be, should be, right? Because like there is some math here. It's, it's possible to develop for a particular system. It's much harder to develop some methodology for arbitrary system. Right? Yeah, good point. In fact, that probably leads us that's why on to... That's why 100 gigabytes. Just 100 yeah, gigabytes. Yeah. So good rule, right? But we, we can do better in terms of like explaining why, why this number. Yeah, it's a nice memorable number for sure. While we're on the topic of when, I guess there's also the question of how, and I think... One second, one the, second. We didn't, we, we didn't finish with why. Okay, continue. Very big reason also is data locality. Yeah, okay, yeah. It's a huge reason, especially for data, like time series data or time decay data, which has like, these are new rows, these are fresh and being accessed more frequently. And these uh, rows are quite old, maybe sometimes. Soon they will be not needed at all. We, can, we will consider pruning. It can be regular time series, like measurements of temperature or something like metrics, or it can be also like social media comments and posts and, and so on. Fresh data tend to have usage pattern, like to be more frequently accessed. And yep. we would probably like to have fresh records in our shared buffers and operational system cache and so on. And all the records, only a few of them, and, and we could, could allow like higher latency, a little bit higher latency for all data, probably. It depends, of course. But if you think about very large table, we have everything like mixed. Any given page can contain new and fresh records. It's kind of like a loose cluster. Like we don't have index organized tables in Postgres, but it's almost like a, it's not an enforced clustering in terms of strict, but it's kind of a loose clustering. If you think about the time series example, things aren't guaranteed to be in order within a partition, but each partition will be kept separate. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, actually, if you, for example, consider indexes, you have an index on table. You have, for example, some something like date, date, creation date, and you think, okay, it would be good to partition by day, days or months or weeks. You, co you could have all your queries dealing with filtering on somehow. And then you could, instead of partitioning on table, you could just split indexes to 10 or 100 or 1,000 indexes, uh, partial indexes, like partition at index level. And it would work well, if the only reason for partitioning was query performance direct benefit from smaller index size. But as we just discussed, there are bigger reasons than just a smaller index size. Yeah, so you need to split tables, definitely. Maybe one more reason, like data locality is very important because if you consider like you, you have, I don't know, like a lot of heap-only tuple updates inside pages and so on. But it, it, it's not good to mix fresh and old rows in one page all the time, like mixing in a huge table because you need to allocate more memory to hold. For example, okay, I want to, all my fresh data to be in the buffer pool, for example, closer to application. In this case, you need all pages, right, of this table. But if you 
start splitting by date somehow the, like okay you fresh partitions have fresh data all partitions have old data for fresh rows you have much fewer pages right i'm talking about cache efficiency here right and in this case also you mentioned all visible and all frozen these these bits for each page it's a visibility map it's very good to have all data separated in old partitions because updates or deletes happen very infrequently there or inserts also and so we auto vacuum can skip many more pages keeping them all frozen or all visible all the time right it's also about vacuum efficiency but a different vacuum not deleting the tuples but keeping this visibility map up to date and this is super beneficial for performance, yeah. query performance, because visibility maps, like we can see for index-only scans, heap fetches in the plan less often. Heap fetches means vacuum is lagging to process. Like index-only scan worked, but heap fetches means like we need to consult heap because this page is not in, marked all visible, so we need to check. It. But if it's all partition, most most of its pages are all visible or frozen, great. So index-only scan is better. How to measure it? Also interesting question for, for particular system. Again, more, it's not trivial but doable. But for arbitrary, arbitrary system to find some metrics when you need partitioning. So you need partitioning 100 gigabytes. 100 gigabytes, go with partitioning. And more workers for AutoVacuum. I'm thinking about it for many years, and these these reasons are not well discussed or discussed in very dry manner. My main reason is indexing, and second reason is index locality. Only then a smaller index size and so on. Nice, I agree, and I but I I also echo what you said, and I see it brought up most commonly when it comes to query performance, and I think that's one of the least good reasons for doing it. But yeah, there's a lot of, lots of good reasons. And I'm glad they they have net positives there as well. There are also, of course, some downsides in terms of query performance. Like we see, for example, the planner has to do some partition pruning, right? And like excessive numbers of partitions. Well, it's getting better in later versions of Postgres for sure. But at at the thousands of partitions level, you can start to see some issues there. Planning, yeah, it's... planning time increases a lot let yeah. me f- again like sorry i i'm I, echo is good word i have echo in in my mind i need to like finalize my thought about why i put indexing and reindexing on the first place in terms of reasons of partitioning like in heavily loaded systems we need index maintenance always like it should be planned properly planned without index maintenance you will have degradation over time 100% it's not only about how postgres mvcc is, is organized it's for other systems it's also so indexes need to be rebuilt quite often well since postgres 14 less often due to like a lot of b3 deduplication in 13 and 14 but still index maintenance is a must have as like day 2 dba operation and this means if you need to rebuild indexes and if you have huge tables, you will have bloat just because you are doing this quite slow, holding a spin horizon. So index maintenance, we have had an episode about it, right? Means also like do index maintenance, but also have fast auto vacuum processing. It can be done with partitioning. This like index maintenance, vacuum and partitioning, these three components should be should play together. 
this is why I put it on the first place. I think it's underestimated reason, not well discussed in 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 the Postgres ecosystem and blocks and so on. I think something we we probably have to get to is how to, like people might be wondering how to pick a partition key, and I think that comes uh-huh. like that's an well, it's interesting, right? Like in terms of yeah. have you seen it done badly, or like what's your like what. What do you generally say people do? There are some pains in Postgres partitioning. One of the pains that all pri- uh, primary key and all unique keys, unique indexes, must include partitioning key. I remember, I already mentioned this time when I implemented using inheritance, I implemented part- partitioning on some RDS system, migrated from Heroku also. I remember the moment when I said, oh, we need to index this. We had some partition key. I even don't remember. Was it like a range or list or hash? I think not hash, but probably range, I don't remember. And I said, we need to index it as well. And like, we, if we index it uh, exactly like described in partitions, like with uh, this expression, for example, date, right, for, for, from timestamp. And uh, I, I was told, I, are, you, are you kidding? It's already partitioned by this, we don't need it, right? Postgres planner already knows how to find proper partition and indexing on this value, it's the same. So partitioning works like some index index as well. Like for, for to locate par- proper partition in the plan, we we just use these conditions and that's it. So you don't need to have index on it. But at the same time, primary key and unique keys must have it, and this is annoying. For example, if you have surrogate key like ID uh, some integer, or UUID ULID anything version five six I don't know anything. Now you consider your huge table to be partitioned by range using timestamp, for example, created at, right? Now you need to redefine your primary key to have both ID column and created at column. And this is super annoying because now you think, oh, what about foreign keys, which reference to this primary key? They also need to be rebuilt. When you redefine primary key, it's also not an easy job. You need to think about if you need to do it for zero downtime. Also, funny thing, I had recent experience with partitioning and I realized if you have multi-terabyte table and your management tells you that you can allocate up to one hour of downtime, it's interesting situation because you, you, you tell them back, I need either 12 hours of downtime or zero. If we have 12 down, hours downtime, I will design my changes in blocking manner, not online manner. So alter table, create index, because create index is like roughly two times faster than create index concurrently. But if you tell me I have only one hour, it's nothing for me. I will go with online operations and I just need more time to develop and test it. So this is funny thing. Like you cannot be in the middle between huge chunk of downtime and zero. One hour is not good. Okay, zero downtime means we need to do some preparations. And one of preparations is to redefine primary key and unique key. All unique keys, you might have multiple ones. To include partitioning key. How to find, you, you asked actually different thing, how to find proper partitioning key. It's tricky, very tricky question. And also granularity. How come we discuss time-based partitioning and didn't mention time scale? Right? Yeah. Because if... Well, we haven't discussed how you create partition. Like, I think one of the main benefits of the way timescale do things is... Automation. It's autom- Exactly. Everything's done for you. So we've already talked about partitioning being transparent to the user, but 
timescale almost make it transparent to you as the developer as well. It's so good. Um, easier for you to use. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And also comp compressing old partitions with like 50x compression. It's super cool. This was what regular Postgres lacks. But if you're on RDS, you cannot use timescale because AWS and timescale company don't have contract for well, but PG Partman is like a that you can There are uh, for okay, but it, sorry, but it doesn't provide you compression and it doesn't yeah. uh, automate in many cases. For example, if it, I'm not sure about RDS, but on Cloud SQL, Google, you can read that. Okay, we have PG Partman, but we don't have scheduler with like background worker or something. So automation should be handled like you need to use PG Cron or some other Cron jobs yeah. or something. So it's not full automation, it's just some functions and, and I can write myself these functions with my logic. But this is know. a big thing that can go wrong with partitioning, right? Like when I've seen when I've seen blog posts that are, that mention big issues and they mention partitioning, it tends to be a new partition failed to create and that has that naturally that's that's yeah. a downtime issue if you get to the point that you should be let's say it's time based and you get to the new month or whatever you're partitioning by and that that partition doesn't exist you can't accept yeah, inserts all of a sudden it's better to create so, partitions in advance a little bit right yeah. and, and to have some code that uh, checks everything and some monitoring in place so definitely uh, when we talk like declarative partitioning hides a lot of details from the user uh, automates many things but still a lot of work needs to be done a lot of work for example exactly a partition creation or detach and destroy it you also need to do it yourself or use time scale if you can afford it if you have well, such preference i was going to raise something else i've i was speaking to somebody recently who's considering partition again to the point where they they think it could be useful and i've i thought of a different way of thinking about your partition key and that might be how you would like to delete data eventually if you want to the time-based stuff's really good because a lot of people will want to delete old data eventually but that might not be the way you want to delete data in the future yeah. like for example this person customer-based might make sense because when a customer cancels they want to delete all of that data and it, and that by that point it might make sense to think about it by a customer instead of by by time so it's really interesting in terms of locality as well right if you're running a, a, mm -hmm. a SaaS app chances are you're going to have even if you're doing larger queries they're probably one account at a time nobody's looking at data across two accounts it's it's all you know within a single account so depending on how you want to access your data but i think crucially depending on how you might want to delete your data might be a really interesting way of thinking about that partition key yeah also i know cases but it was from sharding experience but but it's very close partitioning mm. can be considered like a local sharding that's, that's to some extent i know the cases when people chose like sharding partitioning key in, in mechan implemented mechanism in such a way that if for example they, they it was a huge system first of all very big one like huge system and they chose mechanism to move accounts which are not actively used to like more archived partitions and store like to let them be evicted from the caches and so on but those which are quite active were located in like hot partitions and be be present in the like working set of database it's also possible it's the same like you described but not at the customer level but batches of customers like 
not batches or sets, subsets of customers and accounts and all the data associated with account is moved to some inactive. Once it becomes active, it transparently automatically moves to a different partition. It's, it's quite interesting approach and it's, if, it's done, if it's done in non-blocking manner in background, it's interesting. Like, I, I'm not fully understanding those guys because they live at much bigger scale. It was it was Yandex and the oh, mail system, and but it was about sharding and th like I remember they lived like a year or so with Oracle plus Postgres, we both sharded, and wow. I, I like I was I was asking, are you already migra migrated to to Postgres? And they said, let me no, we, we use both. Let me check your what's your email. We will check, and and they told me, oh, you're still in Oracle. Let me press a button. Press a button. In one minute, you're already in Postgres. If something wrong, test it. We we can move back. And I love this approach because you can, for example, if you think about partitioning and you can implement, it requires some time, but it's so cool. If you can can move transparently to migrate in batches, to move back and forth, and have real testing like new schema, old schema. You moved 10% of your data. You continue testing it. If something is, is wrong, you know in like within one hour you can move back and everything is on old schema. This is like very solid, mature approach, right? But it requires engineering, of course. Yeah. And yeah. Thinking about the IO overhead of moving people backwards and forwards and backwards again. But of course, for the one direction, it makes makes a lot of sense. But imagine it's like partitions are have many clients, but you can move one single client. It's interesting. You yeah, can do yeah, it in sure. batch. It's flexible. Something something was interesting engineered there and they tested it during many months, checking all parameters a lot of nodes involved but in partitioning it's also possible when i implement, implement partitioning I, I consider this like transparent move in batches of course everything is, should be online but back to the key it's hard question things to consider first of all like data locality definitely sometimes people understanding that they have t time decay time uh, serious data they still choose list-based partitioning they create for example table partitions with ids and list-based partitioning to have better management of what is happening with partitions and so on even though we, they could do it with like range partitioning uh, using time so it's it depends. Does that help in terms of with balancing, like keeping the partitions roughly the same? So like, let's say you're a growing startup. Each month you have exactly. more data. Yeah. So you can, if you do But also, ahead, like, number one question should be your workload. You need to analyze your workload yeah. and understand, like, if some if some, some query doesn't have partitioning key in, in where clause, for example, it means that probably it will need to scan all partitions. Yeah. In some cases, it's fine, but you, sh you should test and understand it, right? If if yeah. well if it's some slow query anyway, but if it benefits from some indexes from index only scan, uh, we are, uh, can accept it runs like ten seconds. Maybe it's fine, but what will happen in a couple of years? So so anyway, uh, with partitioning, mo most often you need to adjust application. We say it's transparent, but you to benefit from it, you probably need to adjust many queries so they can definitely benefit from it. For example, if you have partitioning key, it should be present in most queries right? to check the plans and so on. Yeah, if not so. all, but yeah, that's cool. Mm -hmm. And then you like granularity, right? So day partitions or week partitions, month partitions. I, If you check timescale, they have very, very, like in many cases, we have small, small chunks, we call chunks and many of them. 
But of course, it depends on Postgres version. You need to check what will happen if you have thousand partitions. If you go with, for example, day partitioning in three years, you will have roughly a thousand partitions, right? So what will happen with planning time? But if you prune them, old ones, maybe you will not reach thousand partitions, right? But in some cases, in, on modern Postgres, I, I'm actually not sure. All productions are lagging, so I don't have a good example of large system running on Postgres 15 that I can touch with partitioning. So I just learned from release notes that many improvements happened, but haven't tested the many of them yet. But planning time is a, maybe a concern, definitely. I've seen a slides and a couple of talk recently from, I think, Christoph Petters at, about running Postgres at scale. And I think the numbers he mentioned were in the region of, in the past, it was around a thousand partitions that would really cause you issues. But nowadays, 25,000 seems to be like an, cool. a, a threshold that has been mentioned. But yeah, well, I, again, I don't uh, have direct experience with that. We have trade-off here. We yeah. want to be below magic number 100 gigabytes for each partition, right? At the same time, we don't want to be number of partitions too high to affect planning time badly. So we need to test yeah. our system and decide where is our golden... like middle ground here and this is where the next step is right you, you you've talked in the past about 100 gigabytes partition and how how big before you should be thinking about a sharding terabyte yeah okay well so, it's also uh, we we can live with table 10 terabytes partitioned to 100 well thousand probably partitions and run it on one node or quite modern machine that should be very very good it's it's doable definitely 10 terabytes, it's not a problem for modern Postgres and modern hardware. But if you have 50 terabytes, you should split in one way or another, but it's another another topic, not yeah. partitioning already. Well, we didn't touch many, 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 many topics, but I hope some interesting stuff we delivered today. So my n number one reason is indexing and index maintenance and vacuuming as well and data locality second one but number one advice is as usual experiment on clones check the plans experiment 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 wonderful thank you nikolai thank you everybody and see you next thank week you, michael thank you michael bye bye bye